welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. So Kerry asked me to share my testimony and I think when we often talk about testimony, we sort of go from how we came to faith and how we, how we came to um, how we like, became in a relationship with God and that transformation in that. And for me, that was, I grew up in a Christian home, I had Christian parents, I was baptised when I was about 12, I did youth group, I did church things, and it just sort of just happened. So my testimony in that sense is not very interesting. Um, <laughs> it's, it's very, just, it just happened. God didn't like come into my life in this big, empowering way or this big ridiculous way that I've got this fascinating story to tell because he was just already at home. He was already within the house. He was already within the family. So I often feel a little bit odd sort of telling my testimony in that sense because like I don't have this story about how I uh, overcome a drug addiction or how I had this history of being involved in gangs and was in prison for seven years or anything like that like and so I often feel a little bit odd sort of talking about how I came to faith because it was something that just happened very organically. But I don't think that's a bad thing either. And I think we often... There, don't get me wrong, there is a lot of power in those transformative stories. But for a lot of us, that's, that's not our life. And I think we can sort of take that for granted a little bit that that's a real blessing that God just just in our lives from word go. But it sort of got me thinking about that word, testimony. And there's really only two places that I could think of that the word testimony gets used, and that's either in church or in court. So, in church, it has become this, this Christianese term, Christianese is sort of words that we use in church, we don't use anywhere else. It's, I have to explain Christianese, because Christianese is a Christianese word. <laughs> um, but it is, it's something that has come to mean something in church because we talk about it in this sense of how we come to faith. But in court, it means something else. It sort of means your witness and your statement or uh, evidence or story or things like that. So it has a different context, kind of. They're similar, but it has this, this different nuance to it. So I wanted to focus a little bit more on just that other side of testimony rather than just coming to faith because I think that's such an important part of it all as well. Um, because beyond how we came to faith, our testimony includes all those steps along the way that we've got to where we are now and His transformative powers within that and our witness of God and the stories of Him. So, hello. So, I guess some, some factors along the way. <laughs> some, uh, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home, God was just there. Um, when I was... 17, I came down with a heart condition and was bedridden for about nine months uh, through that process. Um, but I'm fine now, which is good. But along that process, um, God used that and worked in that. And it was only because of that that I even met Fee. It was only, we met at a, um, at a, a youth group event and it was only because I was sick that it got me to a point that I was going to that event in the first place. So God used that 
to get me to where I was. I mean, it's nothing spectacular either in that sense. Like, it's still not some fantastic, like, big story, but it's just a little step that God used along the way. A few years later, um, Fee was studying at uni. She was doing occupational therapy, um, and I was doing an apprenticeship as a goldsmith, doing jewellery. And I lost that job, and it was pretty difficult. But in that process, God led me to be a pastor at a Baptist church up in the hills where we were living in Mount Barker at the time. And that sort of reinvigorated my own faith, but it also gave me an opportunity to serve. And it was only because I lost that job that I got to that point. And so God's hand was over that process. About a year into that job, um, Fee did a placement up here, up in Wyala. Well, actually, no, you did it in Port Augusta, didn't you? And it was through that process that she got offered a job here. And so we spent nine months living apart, commuting two to three times a week. I worked out, I did nearly 40,000 Ks that year. <laughs> it was a bit ridiculous. But that process of her moving up here and us living apart and we were doing our own jobs and such led, led us to realise the significant need for foster care up here. And so all three of our kids are foster kids and we essentially um, decided that we would move up here to take those kids in because we saw the need for that. But that only happened because Fee got that job and we were, we were willing to sort of live apart for that period of time. And we didn't know that going into it. When Fee took the job up here, I think we, we put a 12-month time limit on it. We kind of said, all right, we'll do this for 12 months and then we'll figure out what we're doing. And within about a month, we knew what we were doing <laughs> because God made it so clear. But it was a case of us working through that. And so God had his hand over that process. Even though living apart for that nine months was difficult, God had his hand over that. And so it went from us living apart for nine months to having three kids between the ages of one and two in about two months. Um, so you can imagine that wasn't particularly straightforward and easy either, that God had his hand in that whole process. So that's a little bit about me and a little bit about my family. Um, but I want to go back to, I guess, that concept of testimony about telling the story, telling our witness of God. And so in my story... I find it difficult in those early years to define that because it was just there, it just happened. And then there's a few moments that I sort of talked about where I can pinpoint God's hand in that process and God, and, I, and I've got a story to tell about how God was involved in that. Um, but I mean, we have this great book called the Bible that's got lots of stories and things in it as well. So I want to go to that, and I want to go back to the Old Testament because I think one of the, the great themes of... Jewish culture is their storytelling and the way that they keep tradition and they tell these stories. And we see that all the way back in the early Old Testament, the whole way through, through the New Testament and even today in Jewish culture, having those holidays, having those ceremonies and those stories that are attached to those is such a key part of their culture. It's something I really admire. Um, but they tell the stories of God's promises and faithfulness and they have these I mean, it's called the Old Testament, same word, testament. Um, it's, it's a witness of God, it's God's account. 
But I want to have a look at, um, I'll read it in a moment, Judges 2, 6, if you can turn there, if, you've got, if you're following along. But if we go back a few steps, um, we think of uh, the book of Exodus where Moses has come in, he's collecting all the Israelites out of Egypt to take them out into the Promised Land. Before he even gets to that point, three times we see Moses tell the Israelites how important it's going to be to keep note of what's happening in that process and tell their kids and tell their family and keep the tradition going of telling the story of how God's going to save them from that process because he recognises the importance of keeping that account and keeping that story and having that, that oral tradition of being able to tell it down as, because it's, such an, it's going to be such a powerful story. So three times in about two chapters, Moses stresses the importance of that and they haven't even left yet. Like they're still in Egypt at that point. So after they do that, obviously they wander the desert for a long time and there's a lot, a lot to unpack in that process, which I'm not going through today, but they enter Canaan, they get the promised land um, and Joshua's involved in that and that's where we go into Judges and we're going to look right as Joshua's dying. It's a great spot, isn't it? Um, so Judges 2, 6 to 10, after Joshua had dismissed the Israelites... They each went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout their lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and all, all those who had seen great things the Lord had done for them. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at timnath in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. And this is the verse I want to focus on. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. So, the Israelites as a people had been taken slave. God miraculously saved them. They've spent 40 years wandering the desert entering the promised land, I could see God's hand in all of that. They literally followed a column of fire. God was there. It was pretty evident. It's hard to ignore. And it says in uh, verse 7, I think it was, um, that people served the Lord throughout the lifetime and those who had seen all the great things that God had done. Because they did. It was, they were right there. They saw all of the, all, all of the um, plagues through Egypt and then they saw all the miracles performed through the desert and they saw them capturing the promised land even though that wasn't particularly clean but they got there in the end kind of but the point being is that they were were there they witnessed it themselves and Moses had stressed the importance of being able to tell your kids and being able to share with your family that story and it only took one generation and they were all gone they completely lost that. It took one generation. And it's not like what had happened a generation before was minor. It was one of the most powerful stories of God's presence on earth up to that point. So I guess to, today I'm talking about when we, sh- we talk about story and testament. We 
we often talk about that from an evangelical perspective of sharing our faith to those who don't have that. And that's probably not what I'm talking so much today about. I'm more talking about sharing with those inside the faith. Because when the Israelites lost Joshua, they had that faith, but they didn't continue it. They didn't stay in it, they didn't remain in it, because they weren't talking about it. It wasn't something that was taught, it wasn't something that they actually spent time in. So I'm talking about sharing your faith with your own home, and with your family and your friends and your close people, and in home as in the building that you live in, but home as in your church home as well, and your church family. Because there is a lot of power in testimony, there's a lot of power in stories. They can inspire and they can build us up and they can encourage us and they can confront us so that we can confront things in our lives that are barriers that are holding us back. They're all really, really important. Another little analogy for you. So when I was a jeweller, I did a little work with diamonds. Have you ever looked at a diamond? Has anyone got a big diamond? Have a look at it. (laughs) You'll see that there's facets on it and it's all cut in different angles. Um, And it's cut like that to reflect. It reflects light. Whatever angle you look at a diamond from, the facets are cut. If it's, if it's cut well, the, cus- the facets are cut in a way that reflects the centre of the diamond. So it reflects the most light possible. If you look at a badly cut diamond where it's got like a chunk taken out of it, there's a big dead spot. It looks black. It's because the diamond itself doesn't actually have much light. Um, the point being is that there's all these different facets which are uniquely shaped. And if that facet is shaped in the right way, at the right angle, but it's in the wrong spot, it's not going to reflect light. Each of us are like one of those facets that we're perfectly placed where God has us and we have this ability to reflect light. But if we're not there, then the whole diamond looks dull. Each of us have this story in this place where we can reflect God's light from our own perspective and no one else can share that perspective because we've got our own story and we've got our own experiences. And that, ang- that specific angle and that specific cut and that specific size and place, we're there for a reason. And if we don't share that, then the diamond isn't expressed in its full brightness. So something I really want to encourage you is to share that unique perspective that you have, to share that unique facet that you have reflecting that light and it doesn't have to be big things either like we all have you're probably sitting there thinking about I guess landmark moments in your life and you go oh yeah I saw God work there and oh yeah I saw God work here and there's probably big gaps in the middle that you thought well that was a tough time and those landmarks are important I mean that's what that Jewish culture is of having those landmark moments through history and that's really important, looking back at how God has worked in the past, because that sets the precedent for how God can work in the future. But it's important that we don't rely on those historical markers, and then we actually go, all right, what is God doing at the moment? What is God doing this week? In between those big landmarks, what was God doing, and how is He working in my life? Because they're really important questions as well. Because if we get too fixated on these, these landmarks, 
about how God has done something miraculous in our life, we can get rose-tinted glasses, where we look at the past and we have this feeling of how it used to be better. We used to have our faith, we used to be more put together, we used to be closer to God and something's changed and we can feel a bit meh because of it. And maybe that is the case, maybe things have changed. So you can use that historical marker and that your own testimony within your own life to sort of look forward and go, well, what was working then? God was. All right, so what about right now? How's God working? But it's important as well not to equate the size of the experience or the size of change with how powerful God is or how close He is or how important He is because that can be something we can get caught up in as well, is that God can work in these little spaces and do, doing little things, chipping away. It doesn't have to be this big, towering... Did, it, did anyone ever read... Um, I don't know if it was just a My Generation thing, but um, there was a, a series of books that came out called Jesus Freaks. Anyone see them? You did? Yeah. Maybe it's my generation. Um, they were basically like these, like a, a compilement of like about a hundred stories of um, little testimonies. They were only a page or two long. I should have brought a copy and read one. Um, but they were stories all about the persecuted church um, in modern era. Like they weren't historical. They were like right now, what's going on for people, and just oh, so powerful. And you sit there and think, oh, I have no idea what I'd do in their shoes. And one of the stories I remember um, was a bloke in Pakistan, uh, it was a family in Pakistan, sorry, um, who converted from Islam to Christianity. And uh, when the village found out that they had converted, they burnt their house down with them inside with the intention to try and kill them. And they managed to get out and they fled into the jungle and they spent uh, two and a half years hiding in the jungle before being found by some missionaries who just happened to be trekking to a village that was further along that. They had no idea about it. They basically just bunkered down for years and had survived off leaves and nuts pretty much. And they were then able to share that story. And you think, well, I didn't have my house burnt down. So the stories were really powerful, but at the same time, they often made you feel a little bit like, well, what's God doing in my life? Like, I don't have a whole village trying to kill me. But the little things are really important. Something I'm trying to change in myself is be a little bit less cynical. (laughs) Because I can be. I'm aware of it, so at least I'm trying. Um, but I, I sort of experienced this about a week or two ago where um, I found myself being very cynical and I probably shouldn't have been. So I'm going to share it. Um, do we all know that type of person who sort of thanks God for the most trivial things ever? And we go, oh yeah. I had a, I had a family friend who posted on Facebook about she posted two paragraphs. It was not a, a short little thing. It was, this, it was a half an essay about how God had blessed her while she was doing her shopping trip. Right, and my immediate reaction was, no, Christine, God did not 
come down off his throne and mark down mints for you this week because he's got better things to do. <laughs> and that was my initial reaction. It was like, do you really think that that was God that marked your mints down? Like, and that's my cynical side coming out. But at the same time, I sort of sat on it for a little bit and I was thinking, well, maybe I need a little bit more of Christine. <laughs> maybe I need to realise that God works in all these different ways. And the reality is we have no way to determine what his hand is on and what his hand isn't on, definitively. We can have faith and we can pray about things. You dodged me. But we need to be looking out for those things as well, about what God's doing in our lives. And if I'm sitting here and being cynical about mints, I'm probably not going to notice things that God is doing. For me recently, um, as well as trying to improve my cynicism, um, something that I've really noticed is that I've actually had a sense of joy in God for the first time in probably a couple of years. And God was something that became a very intellectual idea and quite structured. God became very structured and an intellectual idea. And I would pray and I'd worship, and I'd do all that, but it would be, what's the word? It would almost be like liturgy, it would almost be just like, it was just practiced, so I just, it was just motions. It was routine, robotic, yeah, and I knew I was meant to do it, so I did, and it wasn't that I didn't feel God in that process, because I did, but, And it was probably, again, that case of cynicism coming in a little bit as well. But I think it's probably been in the last couple of months that I've actually managed to go, you know what? I can actually feel that now. I can feel that sense of joy in God, which is really exciting. Because when you you experience God in a way that you haven't for a long time, it's really refreshing. But it would be very easy for me to just sit on that and just feel good about it and go, yay, but not share it. But there might be some of you here in that same boat who have been in routine, have been structured and lacking that sense of joy in God. And it was, uh, I think it's in James, I'm having a mental blank, where Peter's telling one of the churches um, to be joyful. And he does it as a command. It's not like a, here's a good idea, guys. It's a, be joyful. He says, I'll tell it again, be joyful. He backs it up, he says it twice. And when I read that, I was like, oh, geez, I'm not doing that. So it confronted me, worked on it. And all of a sudden, I'm finding joy in God. But it's definitely something I should be sharing because some of you might be in that same boat and might get that same encouragement from that. But that's just me. You guys have your own stories about what God's doing in your life at the moment as well and how God's working in you. And it could be something as small as just something is put on your heart. It could be something as small as you made it out of the house this morning without yelling at the kids. 
That could be a massive win, and that could be God working in your life this morning. It wasn't my case, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> it could be something that you find out that you can pay your bills when you thought you couldn't. It's like it's not a, it's relatively trivial, but it's not a trivial thing as well. Like as God works in all these little things. Maybe it's just a really good phone call with a friend or a family member you haven't talked to for a long time. God can work in all these things. And God has his hand in all these things. If I go back and look at my stories I told earlier, like Fee, living apart, uh, Fee and I living apart for that nine months, it was difficult. Like, I look back and I, I think, oh yeah, it wasn't too bad. But it, it was. <laughs> it was really challenging. Um, but God worked through that. So I'm sure you can sit here and think of something that God is doing in your life at the moment. Whether it's big or small, we all have our own experiences and our own perspective, our own little facet of that diamond. But even if you can't find something small, Genesis 2.7 tells us that each breath is a gift from God. So there's something, you're all breathing. (laughs) There's something if you can't find anything. But at the end of the day, God's given us the gift of grace as well. Which is not a trivial thing. It's enormous. I think we can so often get caught up on what God is doing to fix our problems and to maybe confront some sin or maybe make life easier for us or uh, make us feel encouraged and uplifted that we can kind of miss out on the... At the end of the day, there's this underlying gift of grace that is always there and that's not a small thing so even if you can't find something that God is doing in your life at the moment even if you can't find something to be your own testimony in that whether it's to yourself or to someone else there is always that underlying message of grace which we can come back to. So what I want to encourage you to do is share those little testimonies, those little daily testimonies. Yep, the landmarks are great and we'll do that and we'll keep doing that and we'll share those big moments where God steps in and we have this huge act of God. But we need to share the little acts of God as well. We need to be willing to not be cynical about what is an act of God as well. We need to find God in things and look for that actively. We need to pray and we need to sit in, well, what is God doing doing for me at the moment? What does God want to change in me? What does God want to work on in in me? How can I see God in my day-to-day routine? And once you've done that and figured that out, I want you to share it with people. Because we talked earlier about how testimony is so powerful because it can build us up, it can create that sense of God is working and God is here and He's doing things. So that's something to be shared. But it's also, on a more specific thing, sometimes you don't know what someone else is going through and sharing what God's doing for you in a specific scenario can speak to other people as well. But I think the most important thing is that 
we don't want to end up like the Israelites where we lost God because we didn't see him as a ball of fire walking in front of us, taking us into the promised land, doing these big landmark things, we lost him. It's important to actually look for God and what he's doing in our day-to-day lives, even when it feels like he's not this big pillar of fire in front of us. And so that's why it's so important to share our story within our homes and within our church family. So I want to encourage you if, you, if you see something that God's doing in your life, chuck a text to a friend about it. Celebrate that. And on the flip side, if you get a text from a friend about it, don't go, no, Christine, God didn't mark down your meat. <laughs> because that's, I think we do that as well. I think it's really tempting to do that and to normalise things or to try and explain away situations with logic. But there is power in sharing, so I think that's really important and I want to encourage you to do that today. I want to just end on Psalms 107, which says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. And that's what I want to encourage you to do, is to tell your story. Can you pray with me? Thanks, God, for what you have done to show us who you are throughout history. Thank you that we have this amazing text that we can see what you've done and see how you work and we can see your character through that. We pray that you open our eyes to what you're doing in our lives right this moment and you open our eyes to your presence. We pray that we feel you in that space. Not for our sake so that we feel good, but for a sake that we can get to know you better so we can share you more. We pray for ears to be open when we share about you. We pray for hearts to be opened. We pray for us to be confident witnesses. Thank you, God, for all you do and all that you're doing. We pray that that continues and that we don't miss out on the little everyday miracles that you're doing in our lives. But most of all, God, we thank you for your grace. the greatest gift of all. I'm sorry we take it for granted and that we can overlook it and get caught up on these big milestone acts of God moments when at the end of the day that is the greatest gift of them all. I'm sorry we take it for granted. I pray that you open our eyes to that. Thank you, God. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information,
website at bethelcrc.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.